Hey, hey, teacher friend, welcome back to another episode of the Resilient Teacher Podcast. As educators, we are all too familiar with the demands of the classroom, but did you know that just a few minutes of physical movement each day can make a world of a difference in how you feel? Now, hey, before you totally cut off this episode and say, I am not about to listen to someone tell me I need to exercise. I'm not bringing you this episode to make you go hit the gym seven days a week. My goal is always in bringing true science-backed, evidence-based ways to combat burnout and release stress. I am talking about the shift in thinking of exercise as a tool for weight loss to a tool for mental health. That's right. Research has shown that movement and exercise play a crucial role in our mental health and well-being. In fact, incorporating movement into your daily routine can not only reduce stress and anxiety, but it also boosts your mood, improves your cognitive function, and enhances your overall quality of life. But maybe you're a little bit like me. Maybe you're thinking, is it really that simple? In this episode, we're going to be diving into the latest findings on how physical activity can improve mental health and reduce stress, but also really exploring those arguments against this approach. So grab your yoga mat, lace up your sneakers, or, you know, just stand up and stretch because we're about to dive into the evidence for the power of movement in boosting your mental health and overall well-being, and then segue into some tips from our guest, Andrea Michio. Hey there, and welcome to the Resilient Teacher Podcast, the podcast giving overwhelmed and burned out teachers inspiration, sustainable strategies, and reigniting passion for teaching. I'm Brittany, a special education teacher and teacher resilience and retention strategist, and I am on a mission to inspire educators to prioritize their mental health and individualize their self-care routines so that they can live a balanced, fulfilling life as an educator while making a bigger impact in their classrooms and communities. Each week, I'll be sharing tips, strategies, mindset shifts, and discussing hot topics in teacher resilience with other knowledgeable experts so that you can ditch the overwhelm, prevent burnout, and create the life you've been dreaming about. So let's get started, and let me remind you that you too are a resilient teacher. Before we get into this episode, I want to give a community reviewer of the week shout out to Natalie Blackman, who left a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and says that Brittany is a light in this world and her podcast really supports educators in all phases of burnout and just the ups and downs in the career. I highly recommend giving her a listen. Thanks for all you do, Britt. And I just want to shout out Natalie for being such an amazing friend and leaving this review. I actually interviewed Natalie for the show to discuss how she reignited her passion for teaching with classroom transformations. And if you haven't checked out that episode, I highly recommend going back to episode 37 to check it out. But this message isn't just for Natalie. It's for all of you who have taken the time to listen to this podcast and support it in your own way. Whether you've left a review, shared an episode on your social media and tagged me, or just simply tuned in, I want to express my immense gratitude to each and every one of you. It truly means the world to me. You see, that's exactly why I show up, why I create these episodes, to reach as many educators as possible and offer them the support, the mindset, the strategies that they need to succeed. So if you're enjoying this podcast and finding it helpful, I would be honored if you just took a minute to leave a review, share it with your network of amazing teachers, administrators, whoever, your support can help spread the word and bring this podcast to the ears of educators who need it. And hey, I want you to know that you can always hit me 
up in the DMs on Instagram. I am at Teaching Mind, Body, and Soul. I'd love to chat with you and hear more about your thoughts about the podcast, about burnout. Together, I feel like we can make a positive impact on the teaching community. And I'm really kind of excited about this episode because movement for mental health has really changed the game for me personally. So what is it about movement that has such this profound impact on our mental health? Well, the science behind it is really fascinating or at least it is to me. I geek out on anything that has to do with brain science. When we move our bodies, we're activating the release of endorphins, which are natural mood-boosting chemicals in our brains. And every time I think about this, I think about that statement from Legally Blonde where she says, endorphins make you happy, and happy people just don't kill their husbands. (laughs) If you know what I'm talking about, let me know. But seriously, Physical activity helps regulate these levels of stress hormones like cortisol, and it can have a negative impact on our mental health if we don't get those in check. And I talked more about this in episode four. We talked about the evidence-based ways to really end the stress cycle. But the latest research on movement and mental health is really exciting. A study published in the American Journal of Psychiatry found that regular physical activity is just as effective as medication in treating depression. And it's even more effective when they're used in combination. Another study in the Journal of Frontiers in Psychiatry showed that just a single session of physical exercise can have an immediate impact on your mood and reduce those symptoms of anxiety. And it's not just adults who really benefit from movement because studies show that incorporating physical activity into school curriculums can have a positive impact on students' mental health and their academic performance. So one of the key ways that physical movement helps to reduce stress is by interrupting the stress cycle. So when we experience stress, our bodies respond by releasing those hormones, those cortisol, that adrenaline, and it causes the fight or flight response. So this response is designed to really help us deal with danger or threat, but it can be triggered by everyday stressors. But when we are engaging in physical activity, it signals to our bodies that the fight or flight response is no longer needed. It helps calm us down and reduce feelings of stress and anxiety. It also increases blood flow to the brain, which can help deliver that oxygen and nutrients to our brain cells, which improve our cognitive performance. Exercise has also been shown to really increase that production of neurotransmitters such as dopamine, serotonin, and it plays this key role in regulating our mood, regulating our sleep, and even our appetite. So by interrupting this stress cycle and boosting our brain function, it can help us reduce the stress and improve overall mental health and well-being. Whether it's through a structured exercise program or simply just like incorporating movement and physical activity into your daily routine, like taking a walk around your school building or using walking as a transition ritual for moving from work to home brain, the benefits of movement are clear. However, you know, some people will argue that the connection between movement and mental health isn't really as clear cut as it seems. You know, critics will point to the fact that exercise isn't really feasible for everyone, especially those with physical limitations or disabilities. And we hear the argument that effects of exercise may be temporary or not long lasting. Despite these arguments, the evidence is compelling. And I'm no expert in physical fitness. In fact, I've avoided exercise most of my adult life. Instead of running from exercise, let's run to my guest, Andrea Michio, to get all the deets on how we can begin using movement 
for overall mental health and resilience. Andrea Michio has been a dynamic junior high school teacher for 10 years in Canada. She is the mother of two girls. She's been married to her husband for 19 years. And through her fitness journey, she has discovered a passion for health and for helping others become healthier and happier versions of themselves. So let's meet Andrea and dive into her tips on making the shift to using physical movement for your mental health. Hi, Andrea. Welcome to the Resilient Teacher Podcast. I'm so excited to have you here today. Hi. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited as well. Yes. I am just stoked to have Andrea on the show. So for those listeners who don't know you, aren't familiar with you, can you share a little bit about your teacher journey? Like what led you to sharing your passion for fitness with the teachers? Um, so I have been a teacher for 15 years now, which is hard for me to believe to say. I can't believe it's been that long already. Um, but I primarily taught, uh, so here in Canada, we have like junior high. So grade seven, eight, nine is where my focus was. And I taught mostly, um, girls phys ed. So grade seven girls phys ed and social studies, uh, which is like history, um, so a bit of my wellness for passion and stuff was just like working with girls and like, obviously social media has like really changed the way we view our bodies and how girls particularly, and like, not that boys don't have, because I worked a lot with girls and I have two girls of my own. Um, it just kind of was like, oh man, I really need to like start being like, I feel like a positive influence for girls kind of that I am interacting with to just get them to be on the health journey, I guess, kind of thing. And we all know, like, same thing here in Canada, like kids are less active than they've ever been and stuff like that. So it's just kind of like, okay, well, how can I make things fun and interesting? So I, yeah, just kind of pursued my own journey of fitness and health because I needed to get back on track. Um, I have two girls of my own who are six and eight. And after I had my second girl, um, that also too, I was kind of like, I always thought I'd have boys for some reason. And I was like, Oh, whatever. But then I had these girls and I was like, Oh, I'm really going to need to change. Like I didn't want the stigma of diet and weight and all that stuff and body image the same way my mom was. Cause my mom was an overweight lady, but like, I, I still know like those terms she used, she always used that she was fat and she was on a diet and all this stuff. And I really don't want that language for my girls. So it kind of was like that too. So I was like, okay, well, I think I'm going to do a fitness photo shoot for my 40th birthday. And that's kind of where the big idea, I guess, if you will, like entered into the world. So in 2017, I set out and I had three years to get photo shoot ready. And it just kind of like progressed from there. And I progressed really slowly to like, obviously going all out at the end towards the end of my photo shoot. And just through that process, learned so much and wanted to share and went through so much as well and wanted to share that journey with other teachers. Yeah. And it's interesting that you t- you brought up that you have two girls because I have two girls and now I've acquired a stepdaughter and then we have I have two stepsons too. But that's always been something since I became a mom. Like I don't want to use that same diet culture vocabulary with my kids. Like, mm-hmm. and I grew up in that. I grew up hearing those types of things from my mom. I grew up hearing that from media and all of that. So I think it's really interesting that that is what set you on this motion of really self-discovery and wanting to be that advocate for kids, but now for teachers too. So, and I can tell you like, Physical activity 
it's never been really something that I've enjoyed before, but recently I've actually been moving into being more physical for my overall stress reduction. I have seen huge improvements. Mm -hmm. I mean, huge. I've lost 60 pounds since July of this past year. That's incredible. Um, really made yeah, a, a bunch of huge changes, really focusing on it, not from the weight perspective, but from the perspective of releasing stress from my body. Um, and I've seen huge improvements in ending my unique stress cycle. So mm -hmm. for those teachers who can relate to those feelings about physical activity, you know, do you have any advice or mindset shifts to really support them? Yeah. Um, so I say like it, Everybody thinks when they want to get healthier and fitter and whatever, they have to change their whole life. Um, right. And that's where people fail right off the get-go. It's like, don't change everything because you won't succeed. It's going to be mm -hmm. too much all at once. And it's going to be overwhelming. Like, think of when, like, we all went on to online school. Like, back when the pandemic, like, every teacher was, like, hitting the wall because it was, like, a serious change. And, like, we were all having a lot of problems. But like you implemented little things and you did little things at a time and we're like, okay, this is working. This is not working and whatever. So if you just take those little steps, um, it's definitely a thing. So just starting small. So say if you were just in your school and you're not a super active person, well, maybe take the longer way, the longest route possible to your photocopier. Take the longest route possible to go to the bathroom. Um, if you're going to visit a friend like next door or whatever down the hallway, like take an extra lap around your school, depending on the way your school is formed and just do kind of little things like that. Um, standing versus sitting a lot. Like that also makes a big difference. Cause I even stand when I do like interviews and stuff like that. Cause for me, it just is like habit and I am a hand talker. So I just kind of, mm -hmm. but it just is like, okay, it's making you work a little bit more versus just sitting um, go for a little walk at lunch, like have a work buddy that that's what I did. I call her my work wife and we hold each other accountable. So we go and we walked at when we both didn't have supervision, we would walk at lunch and just like a 20 minute little outdoor thing made such a big difference, especially for the afternoon, like our moods and stuff like that. Just the fresh air, getting out, getting a little bit of exercise and having that accountability. So if you can have somebody to set up with, like you don't need to do this whole big life switch thing, change one thing. And that's where you need to start. I completely agree with you that that one little change can make a huge impact. And it becomes like habit stacking almost. Exactly. Because I started with little things like just like you said, walking further distances, you know, parking at the very mm -hmm. end of my parking lot has really changed a lot, but then it kind of morphed. And like you said about um, working with a buddy at school, I'm in a, like an open office area. And so in September, we started a squat challenge oh, for October. And so every day we had to do 50 squats and we looked crazy as all get out and it became this, it became easier and easier. And when we could see each other, like, are we going to do our squats day? We kept it on the board and we, you know, did, it, it was like one thing after the other led to me making these bigger changes over time and it didn't feel overwhelming. And I can't, I can't really thank you enough for even suggesting that because that's kind of what led to doing some different things for me. And so we, you, in your opinion, why is wellness and movement so important for educators? 
first of all, I love that. I love that <laughs> challenge. It's so awesome. Um, I just like, I feel as wellness, um, well, as educators and as moms, and most of us are like, I kind of feel one or the other or both. We kind of lose ourselves in this like thing called life and ever we give and we give and we give, but we never take anything for ourselves. And I think that's the shift that we need to really like encompass for our all wellness, physical, emotional, uh, mental, all that kind of stuff. Because like we've said, like if you can't take care of yourself, how are you supposed to take care of others? Um, I love the phrase too, like you can't pour from an empty cup. So why is it that we are giving ourselves to everybody else, but we can't take time for us? And I think that that's really where this thing comes from and if you can find those like those little times throughout the day to just recharge your batteries like it go your life fullness and you feel so much better and stuff like that you'll feel energetic so I think that too is just and what you are showing and doing will role model onto your students absolutely um and I notice that too like if I do a movement break with my classes and stuff like that if I don't participate, I will have a lot less participation for my students. But if I do participate, it's like a challenge, especially like sometimes the cool kids in the corner who are like, I'm too cool for this. And if you're doing it, then all of a sudden they're like, oh, okay, well then it must be cool because she's doing it. And it just like doing like practice what you preach kind of thing, do it with the kids. And it also gives me also that time to just be like, oh, like rejuvenate and charge and stuff like that. So it's just being all encompassing and just role modeling behaviors that you would like to role model for those that are younger and in our education system. Yes. Yes. I have noticed that with my kids at home, like I have stopped using my phone after a certain time in the evenings. And it's just for me personally, like just for me to feel more present and in that moment, because I found myself scrolling way too frequently and mm -hmm. my kids model whatever I'm doing. So they were attached to their iPads. Well, now they're starting to, oh, well, they'll come and sit on the couch. And instead of, you know, scrolling on their iPads, they're talking. They're like, hey, can I, you know, do this dance with you? Can we do, we do fun yoga time at home? Yes. <laughs> I think that is like the coolest thing. Um, but really doing those types of things not only is beneficial to yourself, but also to your kids, your kids at home, your kids in your classroom. And I, I love how you said that. And one of the things I've talked about in the past, and you mentioned it just now, it's like, if we don't start taking time for ourselves, then we can start to have these physical symptoms of burnout, which can really be life altering. And mm -hmm. I noticed that when I started, you know, really focusing on my body, not just my mind, because mental health is important, but also combining the body part, it really influenced my mind, you know? And when we don't take that time for ourselves, it can really start to compound. Have you seen this in action or do you have any insight oh. into that kind of thing? For sure. Cause like, your body is like, your mind is a reflection of your body too. Like you're looking at yourself all the time, like, oh, this and that and whatever. And I noticed too, like when I was doing my photo shoot, like, oh, I, and I do, I will say when I have my photo shoot and I have those pictures, like I look at them still and I'm like, damn, like I look good. And it just <laughs> is like those endorphins that you're like, oh my God, like I did that and I worked my ass off and I accomplished that. So same thing, like you probably, like you said, you just lost weight too. Like you probably look back at pictures and you're like, I did the work and I put it in. So it's definitely like that self-fulfillment as well. Like 
you did it. You created, and that's too, when I look at my kids, like I created that, I did that, like, and things like that. And then I'll look at my mommy pouch and whatever. And it's like, yeah, but that mommy pouch pushed those two kids out and created life. So like, you really have to, I find like, there two are definitely connected because the way and the, the harder you are on your body, the harder your mind is like, oh yeah, you are fat and oh yeah, you are this and oh yeah, you are lazy or oh yeah. But if you change the narrative in, oh, look at this, I have energy. And when you feel, come back for your walk, you're like, I just did it. I feel great and I feel good. So like your mind is like, yeah, you did it. Like, so I definitely noticed that that definitely is linked between the two, between body and mind for sure. Absolutely. And, you know, I read the book, um, The Body Keeps the Score. And so I've been focusing a lot on really being present, being in the moment, mindfulness, all of these things. But then I'm in the classroom, you know, and I was still having these stressors come up. I have all of these things in place. I need something to release that stress. And so I just started doing that. And it became like a habit stacking thing that then produced that weight loss. And the weight loss to me is like the amount of stress leaving my body. Like no longer have to deal with that anymore because I have these things in place that now are helping my mind, my body, my soul, all of it. It's, It's amazing. And it's funny, like you say that too, because I was the exact same way. Like I did a interview with somebody else and they were like, yeah, but like, what was the big thing? Remember you, but there's a big thing. And I was like, yeah, I changed my wellness. I changed my mental health. I changed whatever. I'm like, yeah, but what, and they knew and what they were alluding to was like, yeah, and you lost 60 pounds, but I don't look at it that way. Like, it's just like, but I made better habits and I make better choices now. And I feel better, feel better, love the way I look. And I love, I like, I don't, I'm not so down on myself. So I said, yeah, like I lost the weight, but like that to me is just such a far outcry from all the other better things I'm doing with myself. So it is like you just said, it's not about the number. It's about like all the other things that make me feel great. Yes. So what's your go-to way to take care of you? Like what's your go-to, you know, movement choice? Do you have any like tips for adding that movement? Yeah. So my movement is the gym. I love going to the gym. I love lifting weights. I love being like super heavy and strong and whatever. Um, so that to me is my sanctuary. Um, I also love to go for walks, although like here in Canada, depending in the summer, it's great. In the month of December, when it was minus 50 for two weeks straight, not great. So it was Mm -hmm. like, um, you kind of have to juggle that, but it is definitely the weight room for me. Like I just, I love the like steel bars kind of thing and just like not even really sweating but just like yeah I can lift that and I can do that um but it's doing something you love if you love a hit cardio jumping jacks whatever then do that if you love yoga that's even great too if you want to do a spin class or a soul cycle or whatever like do that it's about doing what you love because if you don't love it trust me you're not going to do it it's going to feel like a chore I really was like I'm going to do yoga in September like to me, September is January 1st. So that was like my goal was I'm going to do yoga once a week. I haven't found a yoga class I love. So it's like, well, I'll go, meh. but I found other things that are more important to do kind of thing or I'm too tired where like the gym, there's no exception to it. So it's also building it into your schedule. Like if you're having a hard time getting started, make an appointment for yourself, book it in your phone. And that's how I did to start with way back in like 2017 
was it was in my calendar Tuesday and Thursday mornings at six o'clock. I went to the gym and there was no excuse. My husband knew that he needed to take the kids to the day home. And it was like I scheduled a hair appointment or my doctor's or whatever. So if that's what you need to like schedule it in your phone so that it is not, um, oh, well, now I'm busy or, oh, I booked this or whatever. Making the time for yourself is what you really need to carve out in the beginning as well. Yes, like time blocking that time for yourself. Yes, absolutely. And you you know, you said that about yoga. What's interesting is I was like, I'm my husband ran a 5K and I was like, yeah, I'm going to run a 5K. I'm going to do that because he can do it. And it was really inspiring to watch him. But then I started running and I was like, I don't like this at all. Like, this is not my jam. I, tried it out. I do better with walking. I enjoy walking. I feel like it's refreshing. And while I can be walking uphill, that sort of thing can be a little bit, you know, more difficult, Mm -hmm. but the running part, Mm -hmm. like that was not for me. Yoga for me, (laughs) but, but trying to do something that you don't want to do is just like adding unnecessary stress that you don't have to, when you can you know, dance around the house or do whatever with your kids. Those are things that you enjoy doing. Yeah. And yeah, so I, I thought it was funny that you said that because I was I had was gung ho yeah. that I was going to run a 5K. That did not. Oh. Nope. Mm-mm. Yeah. And that's I used to be an avid runner, too. And I ran like three or four half marathons. And now like pfft, you can pay me enough to go run a kilometer because <laughs> I'm like, oh, that just seems like a lot of work now. Yeah, you don't want it. Like you just said, if it feels like a chore, you're not going to want to do it. Like you don't want to do laundry. You don't want to clean the toilets, but you do it because you have to, but you kind of can put it off Um, where this is like, you need to make it just something you absolutely love and can't wait to do. Yes. And you also mentioned time blocking, which I talked to Jen Manley, who was talking about time hacks um, a while back in an episode. And she mentioned that she would time block Orange Theory. I don't know if they have Orange yeah, Theory. Yes, and do. Yeah. So she would do Orange Theory and she said, you know, you can't cancel it. You have to mm-hmm. like schedule it out and then you can't cancel it or they'll charge you. Okay. So she felt like she had to do it because she wasn't going to pay the money not to do it. And I was thinking to myself, gosh, that's like brilliant. And she would schedule it right for after school. That way she would have to leave school on time in order to make it. So I was like, yes. So ever since then, I'm like, yes, for time blocking, anything that has to do with just you time, but especially that physical movement. That's, that's yeah. just awesome. No, for um, sure. So what are like three top ways that you recommend teachers to kind of keep themselves accountable with physical activity and movement? Um, I would say if you really have a hard time, like number one is find someone. Um, find a work buddy, find a like, whatever, if you have a great friend who works at another school, maybe down the street or whatever, okay, let's meet halfway, and then go for something. But having somebody and even to I'm kind of going through this again with my nutrition, I've kind of like, obviously, with Christmas and a little bit fallen off the wagon. And I just like text my nutrition coach. And I'm like, I just need like to be accountable again to somebody because I work, I work really well like that. And Mm -hmm. it's just like, I don't want to disappoint somebody. Um, When I first started working out too, I had two girls that I worked out with at six o'clock in the morning. So it was like, oh, if you didn't show up, like we would razz each other. Like when we got to school, like, where were you? You slept in this morning? Like what's wrong with you? So I think that too, just really like, you don't need to mark those right now. And you don't need to do that right now. Like that is definitely just something. 
Um, another thing I say kind of too, or if that's like really not in your realm to like, if you're more of an introvert person, find a podcast. That was another way that I totally got out to listening. Um, I could only listen to certain podcasts when I, um, was walking. And if you want a great suggestion, if you're not a podcast person, I would say the teacher's pet, like don't read the teacher's trial, but start with teacher's pet. And I was like, Oh my God, I was like, I need to go walk because I need to go figure out this thing or like true crime kind of, cause it like really keeps and captures your attention. Um, those were another, or I have one right now that I just listened to. And the only time I listen to it is when I work out and it just is a funny, like brainless kind of podcast where you don't really need to pay attention to it, but it just is like, but I only listen to it while I work out. So I feel like I'm cheating on myself if I listen to it at another time. So that for me has been like another habit um, to create kind of thing. And I would say the third thing is definitely like nutrition. Um, Women, especially like we're not the greatest and teachers are not great for carving out time to eat. And I don't know how some people do it. I am a person who's like hypoglycemic. So I need to eat. But like when I've heard like some friends of mine are like, oh, I haven't eaten. And it's like two o'clock. I'm like, how's that even possible? Like, I would be on the floor, like crying mm-hmm. in the corner. And my students are like, you want to see hangry, like meet me when I haven't eaten. Um, <laughs> so have like those go to snacks, maybe if you don't have them, but have like protein bars in your desk, have oatmeal in your desk, even like instant oatmeal, have um, like fruit bars. So like, even if it's not super, like, it's easily accessible. So it's not like, Oh, I'll just go get another coffee. Or I'll run, I don't know about you guys, but like, we have about 45 minutes to eat and do whatever you don't have time to go out for lunch. So it's like, sometimes you're like, Oh, I'll just stop at the cafeteria. Well, does the cafeteria really have the greatest food? Not really. So like, if you can prep as much as you can beforehand and set yourself up for success. I know meal planning is not for everybody, but it definitely worked for me. And now I know like, okay, if I cook like a flat of chicken from Costco, cook the whole thing and then I freeze it. And then even to my husband's like, Oh, like this week, cause I haven't been cooking all that great. He's like, Oh, do we have any protein somewhere? I'm like, yeah, there's chicken breasts in the freezer. Just pull one out. So it's prepped. So I think yeah. like as much as you can, um, make a few less decisions too with that brain fatigue kind of thing definitely makes a big difference and helps you for success that way. Absolutely. I have seen a huge improvement in just far as like decision fatigue. Like when we meal plan, I feel more in control of everything that's going on. Mm-hmm. Like And I know that most people, you know, some people may not work well with meal planning, but for me, that has reduced all kinds of decisions. When my husband asked me, you know, what's for dinner? I'm like, we're having this on Monday, this on Tuesday, this on Wednesday. (laughs) And I do the same thing with my lunches. Like I know that if I make this amount of food, then the next day I can have that for lunch. And it helps me because then I don't have to, you know, figure out dinners and then lunches. I just have leftovers from the last day. So yeah, definitely. Is to plan to have enough leftovers for myself and my husband the next day. Cause he's the same way. He's not a teacher, but like has half an hour for work and in construction. So they don't have time either. So yeah. it's like, okay, this is our big meal and I'll make lots of extra. And even too, if I have a few, a bit extra, I'll freeze them and then like just label it and be like, Hey, it's a meal that's already prepped. It's, it's, just, work. <laughs> it's crazy to me 
how often we hear, kind of going back to what we were saying before, I'm going off script, but it's kind of crazy to me how much nutrition and exercise has been made to be this diet culture thing versus a way to keep ourselves mentally healthy. Isn't that crazy to you? Don't you think? Like I, I was just thinking about it even with meal planning, when we're talking about this meal planning and stuff like that, decision fatigue, how it impacts that when we talk about nutrition and, you know, getting our bodies to release that stress, to actually be in the moment. Like it's, it's wild to me how much of an improvement in your mental health can be made just by doing things for your physical body. It's just crazy. And like a lot of people, and especially women too, with that diet culture, like that you're talking back to, aren't eating enough. And that is the biggest thing. Like 1,200 to 1,400 calories is not a realistic diet. I've been on that diet on purpose for a photo shoot and my brain did not function. Like I will legit tell you, like at the end of the day, I would look at my stairs and I was like, oh my God, I don't even know if I can do it. I was so exhausted physically emotionally mentally because your brain your body has doesn't have enough food where like if you're on your proper 1800 to 2000 calories yeah you might not be in a but if you're eating more than that right now that's enough to still function and maybe lose the weight you're wanting to lose but it just is like this is where we need to be is like in this middle and just kind of figure that out and stay there it's not an extreme deficit thing. And I think that's also too what a lot of people struggle with is because like, no, you can't function on straight from no. one stream to another. So it's yeah. like meet in the middle and see where that takes you to start with. Absolutely. Andrea, thank you so much for being on the show. I, having you on the show is really going to help support so many educators just by using that movement, by telling your story about how you got into this and all these tips that you're giving. I think For listeners who are just like loving what you have to say, I know that they'll get so much value from your social media. So can you kind of share where the listeners can find you, kind of what you have to offer, that sort of thing? Yes. Uh, So I am on mostly Instagram. So you can find me at fit.wonder.womom, M-O-M, is my long handle. Uh, But it's all like encompassing of all the things that I just love for fitness, for the wonders, like for teaching and like always discovering. And then obviously I'm a mom and moms are superheroes with cape, without capes kind of thing. Um, So that's mostly where people can find me. I'm also on TikTok on the same handle, but I do have a little bit of different content on there. Um, But yeah, those are probably the two best ways. I also have a LinkedIn page. I finally started one, Um, but it's not really up to date, but you can find me there too. Yes. Awesome. So we will put the links to that in the show notes. That way everybody can go and follow you and learn some more tips. And in your stories, you always have great, you know, either stories or questions or things that you're talking about. And so I think they'll get a lot of encouragement from that too. Well, thank you. Yeah. I love just being, it's me. I'm really me on Instagram and you will see me, no makeup, hair everywhere. And I really don't care. Sometimes I filter it up because it's been like three or four days, but whatever, (laughs) like you get an honesty, real thing with me. Yes. Yes. Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast, Andrea. Thank you. 
Before you go, head over to teachingmindbodyandsoul.com slash podcast to check out any links, freebies, and resources discussed in this episode so that you can start recovering from or preventing burnout and reigniting your passion for teaching. If you liked this episode and it helped you or made you think in any way, I know it will be for other educators too. So subscribe and leave a review so more educators can find this community as well. Did you know that you can have an incredible impact on the teachers in your life? That's right. All you have to do is share what you learned today. Take a screenshot of the episode you're listening to and tag me and post it in your stories. What do you say that we start creating a trail for more teachers around us so that we can start to make the change in the system of education, how teachers are seen and respected, and for ourselves? I look forward to connecting with you more on Instagram at Teaching Mind, Body, and Soul or TikTok at Miss Princess Teach. I am always looking for an excuse to chat more about burnout, resilience, and teacher support. I'll see you in the next episode.